You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined with a super special guest that I'm really excited to have on. He has been a a huge um, role model and hero for me since I, I started in the industry. Um, to, to steal a line from David Letterman, our next guest needs no introduction. He is the uh, author of one of my favorite books, the uh, Best Ever Apartment Syndication book. He is the host of the longest running daily uh, real estate investing podcast. He's the host of the Best Ever Conference and co-founder of Ashcroft Capital, where I believe their last time I checked the tally have about a billion and a half dollars in real estate. So Joe Fairless, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining us. Well, I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Awesome, Joe. Uh, for for those uh, for those outside of the industry or those that have been hiding under a rock, can you give us a, a brief rundown of of your background and and what you got going on today? Uh, sure. Uh, so I am from Texas originally. Went to school at Texas Tech and moved to New York City right out of college. And then from uh, I was actually making thirty thousand dollars. Uh, at an advertising agency on Madison Avenue as a junior project manager. And I was living in East Flatbush, Brooklyn. Uh, For people who don't know uh, that area, uh, it is a very, well, at the time, I'll just say it, statistically speaking, it it was the busiest police precinct in all the five boroughs. Uh, Biggie Smalls wrote songs about East Flatbush, Brooklyn. So it was, a, it was a challenging area to live in, lived there for 12 months, earned some street cred, and then moved to East Village. And I kept my living expenses w- relatively low while I lived in East Village. I, it was a two-bedroom apartment. Uh, it was two bedrooms, one bathroom, a hallway, and a kitchen. And that was it. No living room, a uh, tiny apartment, one of the rooms, one of the bedrooms, did not have a window and my uh, the first roommate I had uh, we would trade off for six months one would live in the when the room with the window the other one would live in the room without the window and uh, unfortunately I got the six months during the summer uh, when there was uh, you know with no window uh, and there's no AC by the way no central air in the old building and so I thought I'd get um, crafty and I got a air conditioning unit, a window air conditioning unit, even though there was no window. And I put it on a dresser in my windowless room <laughs> and I plugged it in. And I, what I realized is that, well, first off, I think there's a risk of carbon monoxide poisoning. So <laughs> uh, don't do this at home, kids. But what I realized is that if you stand right in front of the AC unit, it blows uh, moderately cool air. However, it just kicks out a bunch of hot air out the back. Of it. So <laughs> I would, I, it's like a put a, a frog in uh, boiling water versus you know slowly boil it. That's what was basically <laughs> happening. I was slowly getting boiled uh, in that room. So I, you know, I, I, I saved a lot of money though by doing stupid stuff like that. And my friends would make fun of me. I would, uh, you know, they'd be upgrading to a one-bedroom apartment, a two-bedroom apartment with someone, but have a living room. And I'd stayed, I stayed in this uh, apartment, and I paid no more than I think eleven hundred dollars in rent personally. I mean, we split it, so about 
2000 maybe 2200 at most was the was the rent for this and i saved all the money that i would have been spending on rent for nicer apartments and i saved it and i bought my first house and i uh, used that house to buy another house and i ended up buying four homes realized that the cash flow wasn't there i was making 250 bucks a month but then someone would move out and uh there goes the 250 bucks a month and I was basically making no money in cash flow. And so I was like, there's got to be a better way. And that's when I started researching apartments and um, bought my first place uh, in 2013. Uh, it was a master lease with option to purchase. And then that lost money. I did terrible, but I learned a lot of lessons. I paid back my investors plus 14% annualized return out of my own pocket. And I learned the ways not to do things. I learned a couple ways for how to do things. I did a couple things, right? But mostly what not to do. Uh, and then I used that experience and found the business partner that complemented the areas that I was not good at or average at even. And um, off we went. We formed Ashcroft Capital. And uh, now we've got a, a little over $2 billion worth of assets under management. Um, so what would you say is the main focus area that got you from kind of that first deal, losing money, messing around with the single family houses to 2 billion in assets? What, what would you say, you know, if you had to, you had to say the main driver between that success versus a lot of other people who started in the same area and didn't end up taking off like that was doing a daily podcast and meeting a bunch of real estate investors, learning from them getting to know them, building relationships. I mean, think about it. No one in the world that I'm aware of has interviewed as many real estate investors as I have. I mean, I had a, I still have a daily podcast. I don't do all the, I don't do really, I do about uh, 10% of interviews now, but for the first thousand or 1500 days, I did every single interview. So I, I've interviewed approximately 1500 or so real estate investors. And I did it over a, 1500 days. So yeah. for the first 1500 days of being an entrepreneur, you know, give or take, I, I delayed starting the podcast a little bit from when I started as an entrepreneur, but for for the most part, as soon as I started being an entrepreneur, I started interviewing real estate investors. So it, it, yeah, think about if you're, if you want to, you know, become the, you know, a professional bull rider and you're interviewing other professional bull riders for 1500 days, I mean, you're going to pick up some things like, if you're, if you're interviewing people on, you know, how nutrition, how to stay fit and, and then how to techniques and, you know, experiences that people have, you know, it, it's just the learning, the lessons I learned from that and the relationships and uh, the influence too, that I, sure. I got from having a podcast. It was, it was incredibly beneficial. So I have two comments on that. The first one is I, I forget who it was. It might've been Whitney Sewell or somebody told me that they asked you, if you lost everything, how would you get it all back again? And your, Double it immediate, up. your immediate response was I'd figure out a way to interview two real estate investors. Cause I, I, yeah, I, I just, I, I clearly, if I lost it all, then I need to learn a lot more. And so <laughs> I, I also need to do it a little bit faster. Uh, so yeah, I would interview two. I do two interviews a day, but, but yeah, I, uh, I started this podcast at the end of 2019 after reading your book. Um, uh, I mean, step for step out of your book, the mic we're talking on is the mic that you said to buy. Uh, the ATR 2100. I, I, yeah. I, yep. I mean, 
I, I bought it. I, I think I clicked on the link in your like little promotional. Hey, here's the things you need to do to start a podcast and ordered it. Thank you there. for the dollar and 50 cents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My Amazon affiliate. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you've been you've been very instrumental in, in I think so many um, investors getting started. What um, what have you what have you seen in as far as other people's success, what have you seen people that kind of try and come into this business and don't make it? What do you think stops them from being successful? It's, it's the no longer priority for them. uh, And when it doesn't become a priority, then you don't put effort towards it. So uh, I, I'd say the people who have success, it's a priority for them to have some internal reasons for why they must accomplish it for the people who do not have success. They hop on to something else and then they'll do that for a little bit. Then they'll hop on to something else and do that for a little bit. And there's not that consistency because here's the deal. When you first have an idea and when you first start something like a podcast, it's, it's kind of easy because you've got the initial amount of people, you know, initial people that you would interview for the podcast and they're, you know, my friends. And I know some other people who, would be good interview guests. But then what happens after month three? And no one's still listening to the podcast besides your mom and dog. Right. And now you've run out of all your friends interview. What happens then? And that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's where people start dropping off. And if listen, if it's not a podcast, use that uh, analogy for fill in the blank for whatever else uh, you'll have to do uh, in, in the business. When you get started, initially it's easy because you've got some uh, wealth of, of resources that you can, or a reserve of resources or relationships you can call upon. But then what happens at that point? Uh, do you push through or do you get sidetracked and find something else that has less resistance uh, and will require less growth, uh, but is easier to accomplish and you go do that? And that's what I've seen a lot with uh, syndicators actually, uh, who are getting started, you know, there's a, you said you, you know, why I know you've read my book. Uh, you mentioned that a couple of times on the show. And, um, what I've noticed is that, Hey, there, there's a linear process for building out a syndication business. And, and it's, it, there's a trap that a lot of people fall into. And that is, okay, I, uh, I know I need to, build my investor database and I know I need to start, uh, you know, create a website, get a thought leadership platform. Um, but I really like looking at deals. I really like the underwriting or I really like networking with brokers uh, or I really like looking at the legal documents to dissect who's doing what and how I can structure my deals. Well, if you don't have a deal or if you don't have the money to buy a deal, you're never going to need to structure a deal. And so what I found is that uh, as as well, we're, we're, we all have interests and we're all good at certain things. And we tend to gravitate towards those things when we're building the business, which is fine. However, we can't forsake the other areas that need to come prior to that in order to do the process, process successfully. So for example, if uh, I, I come across people all the time, oh, I'm looking at deals, I'm looking at deals, I'm networking with brokers. How much money can you raise with if you find that ideal property? Well, I think I can raise this, but I haven't had a formalized process with investors where I've talked to them and I don't have a thought leadership platform and 
you know, I haven't set up my uh, database on my, you know, my database to email investors. So it's just fine. It's syndicators, a trap syndicators can fall into is they find things that they enjoy doing, but they focus their time too much on that. And then they don't get the other stuff done that needs to get done in order for them to actually do a deal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and would you say, um, good solution to that issue would be partnerships? Yes, that could be a solution. And uh, one thing I'll say about partnerships, because that's a trigger word for me, because there's a (laughs) lot of mistakes that take place in partnerships, because I've seen people jump into partnerships, and they're not truly partnerships. Instead, they're actually bringing on an unofficial employee or uh, they become an unofficial mentor, but they're a partner. A partner is someone who has successfully done what they're coming on to do for you or with you. So, for example, if you're good at raising money, but you need someone to find uh, deals so that you can purchase deals and, and put that money to work, then that person, if they are a partner of yours, then they must have already successfully found those types of deals that you're looking for and closed on those deals and have the relationships. Uh, What I found a lot is people will um, bring on others who could do those things, could find deals, but they've actually never found those types of deals. And so that's fine to bring them on, but don't partner with them. Instead, you know, have them have, uh, you know, some sort of compensation-based, you know, transactional role until they've actually got that experience. You want to be selective of who you actually choose as a partner um, versus someone who uh, is just, uh, you know, an employee, an unofficial employee who you're having to train. You should never train a partner, ever. Never train a partner. Uh, I have been in a successful partnership with my business partner, Frank, for uh, seven, eight, seven or eight years. And neither one of us have ever trained the other person on what we're supposed to do. Now he's educated me on what he does and I've educated him on what I do, but he's never trained me about what I do. And I've never trained him about what he does because we're both experts in our respective areas. Awesome. Awesome advice. What, uh, I want to hop over to the, the market a little bit and, and, and kind of dive into your crystal ball and to timestamp this recording. It's, it's June 8th in 2022. So we know things are subject to change. I don't have a crystal ball. (laughs) I, I, my speculation is just as valuable as anyone else's speculation, but go ahead. So what do you, what do you see over the next couple of years when it comes to, to cap rates and interest rates and how they're going to move together or apart and, Listen, every, everyone's an armchair economist right now, and I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna fall into that trap. I'm not an armchair economist. I've got smart team members on my team who are savvier than I am uh, as it relates to the capital markets, and they follow this more closely than I do. Uh, my business partner, who oversees our debt, uh, especially follows this more than I do. So uh, I, I don't have a good answer for you on what will happen. Uh, and I don't, I don't even want to speculate. That's fair. And, and I pretty much have the exact same response. Uh, people ask me a lot because of the show, because I interview a lot of really smart 
you know, market watchers and stuff. And I said, well, honestly, I I interview some of the smartest folks out there and about half of them say one thing and the other half say the exact opposite. So I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. What what I do, I mean, you read my book, I've got the, uh, the three immutable laws of real estate investing, you know, you, you buy cash flowing property, you have debt that's twice as long as the business plan and you have adequate cash reserves. That's what I hold my hat on uh, because I interviewed people during 2008 or excuse me, I interviewed people who went through 2008 and one of those three reasons for, or, or multiple of those, you know, any of those three or a combination of the three uh, would be why they lost money during 2008 because they were forced to sell because they weren't cash flowing uh, or they didn't have the reserves uh, or uh, they had a loan that became due at a very inopportune time. So, you know, th- those are the three immutable laws of real estate investing that, that I've, I've came up with. And, you know, I printed, published that book uh, three, four, five years ago, and that they still hold true. Absolutely. Now, let me ask the question this way, because I'm, I'm like you, I don't know which way we're going, but one, one thing is fair to say is that we're in a little choppier waters than we, we were yeah. before. And so have y'all changed your uh, strategy in any way? Uh, higher cash reserves, longer term debt, any, w- w- have y'all changed your, your buying strategy in any way to reflect yeah. a, a more uncertain environment? Absolutely. We're changing our, um, underwriting for what we project interest rates will be because we've still got uh, floating interest rates, we, but we buy a cap on those floating rates. And then we're also, but uh, we're uh, projecting higher increases year over year on the interest rates than what we were previously. Awesome. Now with my next question, I'm, I'm going to go a little deep on you. And you, you know, you've seen a tremendous amount of success and so my, my question is what, what's next for you? Uh, you know, what are you doing it all for? What does retirement look like? Or, or is it going to just be a, a continuous growth? What's, you know, what, what's your next mountain to climb? I think um, a couple of things come to mind. One is what's in front of me right now is uh, building out the investor relations and investor services team. At Ashcroft, we have uh, been understaffed, especially on the investor services side. So investor relations, those are the individuals who speak to prospective investors about our, our, our deals. And also after the deal, they, they build a relationship with the investors who invest with us um, and you know talk about different business-related items, investor services. Uh, would be the people who help with the logistics, signing prospective investors up. Uh, any questions about that? And then after the deal closes, helping with K-1s and administrative items. Uh, so we've been understaffed, especially on the investor services team. Uh, that's think, being fixed. I think everybody's been understaffed. I think just the the growth we've all seen, uh, you know, coupled with the labor shortages, I think it's been, I think it's been growing pains across the board. Yeah. But does everyone, has everyone gotten email from investors that says, Joe, why do you make it so hard for us to invest with you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there's the zinger there. 
and it, it we combined with us being understaffed combine combine that with us picking the wrong software platform uh for our investor portal uh we picked the wrong one twice now however i'm confident uh, more so than the first two times that our third one which we've identified will be the absolute right solution because i've spoken to many operators who use it and i'm i'm we're in the process of transitioning over. Is that something you feel comfortable sharing yet? Uh, I can't yet uh, because we haven't, we haven't made We haven't signed on dotted line on anything yet. Um, But, you know, ask me in six months and uh, we'll be fully transitioned over and I'd be happy to say it. You can include the show notes wherever you want to do. If you really, if everyone really wants to know. Um, Uh, so that's immediate. Uh, and then I'm, I always watch YouTube videos of Oprah, Tony Robbins and, you know, Les Brown and Zig Ziglar and Jim Rome and a bunch of other people. And, uh, Tony Robbins mentioned, uh, recently just massive, massive impact, creating massive positive impact. And, uh, that's something I've got to figure out for myself. And that's a work in progress. I volunteer for hospice. I go there approximately twice a month, meet with a patient, and I've been doing that for years, uh, except for the pandemic when we weren't allowed to. And I'll continue that, but I'm looking for ways to do massive positive impact, and uh, that's TBD. Uh, and then the third thing I'll say, because I said a couple things, um, and the third and last thing I'll say on that is I uh, found it's important to be around others who are at a similar level or greater than you, which, you know, that's not revolutionary, but it is kind of hard whenever you are at this stage to have, to find individuals who are playing at or above your level. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that's just the reality. And so I, 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 uh, about three months ago, I joined a group that, um, has, has people like that. And I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of that group. Yeah, that's awesome. I just, I mean, that, that goes back to the, the OG, what is it? Uh, think and grow rich with the mastermind concept. Uh, yep. yep. Uh, I just recently joined go abundance for the same, nice. the same, same nice. yep. deal there. Um, but that, that's, that's awesome. Uh, what, what advice do you have for, somebody starting out in today's market that they might be different than, you know, 2013 or, or a previous environment. Oh yeah. I listened, like I said, I listened to a bunch of videos. Uh, One of, one of the people I didn't mention just a moment ago that I uh, listened to is Jordan Peterson and he gave good advice. I think he was talking to uh, Joe Rogan, Um, but that doesn't really matter. What he said is uh, why most people, why a lot of people fail is they aim too high. Uh, they actually need to, need to aim lower. And what he means by that is, you know, you, you have incremental, incremental uh, milestones and accomplishments, small, like whatever, whatever you can do to build that positive momentum and then build on that and build on that. That's going to help you get to a place that uh, is pretty incredible. And that's what I, you know, I've seen that take place in my business, you know, especially going back to the podcast, you know, I, I, no one was really listening 
for a while, but I just kept doing it. I kept plugging away because I also believe in 50-50 goals. Uh, Tim Ferriss mm-hmm. talks about that, 50-50. So uh, 50% is, hey, if you accomplish a goal, uh, half of it is, congrats, you get whatever whatever comes from accomplishing that goal. But the other 50% is if you don't accomplish a goal, <laughs> you're still learning from that and you're still benefiting in some form or fashion. And so I bring that up for the podcast, for example, because even if no one is listening, I'm still benefiting from the relationships that are being built from it and from learning along the way. In addition to aim lower and have these incremental steps, uh, I would say also think about different activities you can do that regardless of if the outcome is accomplished, you're still getting benefits and you're still moving forward as a result of it. For example, uh, connecting with people on bigger pockets in posting in bigger pockets, even if you're not, you know, m- maybe you're not making friends uh, on bigger pockets for whatever reason, uh, you're just not connecting with people offline that you're meeting online. Well, at least you're learning from others' experiences and you're still immersing yourself in it. And oh, by the way, you can start, you know, it'll help the more you post in, in a high quality way, the more people are going to recognize you and be beneficial for you. So just think about different stuff like that, that will benefit you in a multitude of ways. Awesome. And real quick, I want to respect your time. Uh, I just want to knock out our radio round real quick. Three questions. The first one is what's your favorite book? Oh, favorite book is whatever I'm reading at the time. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, I'm, I read like three or four books um, at, at the time I'd say, um, uh, 48 laws of power power. I've read it before, but I've, I've been skimming through it recently and pulling out some stuff. Awesome. What's your favorite quote? Secret to living is giving Tony Robbins. Awesome. And what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Uh, well, my family and I are at our lake house right now. Um, and I enjoy that. Awesome. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate the time and, um, yeah, it means a lot to me. I've been a, a huge fan for a long time. So super cool to have you on the show. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you at the, the next conference we get to bump in each other at. Uh, awesome. Can you tell our listeners how to find out more about you? Yeah, you can go to uh, ashcroftcapital.com. Uh, and uh, regarding the conference, you can go to bestevercre.com and uh, check out the conference. We actually have many masterminds that you you'll join or you're you're open to joining should you choose to as you sign up for the conference. And we were talking about masterminds earlier and the importance of that. And so the earlier you sign up for the best ever conference, the earlier you'll get involved with the many masterminds. And looking forward to meeting you and shaking your hand whenever we uh, whenever we if you if you sign up for the conference. I know uh, I know you'll be there. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Look forward to uh, keeping up with you on your journey. All right. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at Rent Roll Radio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestwordcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.